You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey people, how are you doing? Welcome to episode 174 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast, recorded, recorded, sorry, recorded as always live every Tuesday on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. And recently I've also been streaming it live to the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page and the Facebook group because he's having a few connection problems with YouTube, but um, hopefully it's all fixed now. Anyway, so my name is Matt Phillips, creator of RunCheckLive.com, and we are just a week away now from Therapy Expo 2023. It's so bizarre. We started the countdown a while back, and uh, and now we're suddenly talking about next week. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, at the NEC Birmingham, November the 22nd and 23rd, as always, the Sports Therapy Association will be there. We've got a stand, as always. Um, the number of people helping with the stand gets larger and larger, and we'll have two days of fantastic presentations in what is called the STA Therapy Update Theatre, where STA obviously stands for Sports Therapy Association. Um, tonight is our last chance then before next week to bring you a chat with some speakers from Therapy Expo, and I am thrilled to say we actually have two speakers for you tonight. Joining me shortly will be Chris Tiley, founder of Never Too Old to Lift, and Chris Kitson of Rockstar Runners, formerly known as Endurance Therapy and Performance. I mean, they're both going to be with me very shortly um, because the two Chrises are going to be presenting Training the Older Adult for Performance. That's going to be at 2.30 p.m. on day two at Therapy Expo. Um, so that's November the 23rd, um, also known as Next Thursday, which is probably an easier way to talk about it. Uh, before I do bring them on, then uh, just to remind you, if you are joining us live from the Facebook open group um, and you do want to add comments, then what you need to do is just make sure, and it's only a one-off thing, you shouldn't have to do it every week, it's just a one-off thing where you have to give Facebook permission to put your comments up on the screen. So you'll see at the bottom of the feed now, if you're watching the uh, um, the, the live broadcast, that there's a little link there, which is basically b.live forward slash comments hyphen issue. Okay, b.live forward slash comments hyphen issue. Um, so if you do see you made a comment and it just comes up a Facebook user, that's because you haven't clicked that link um, or you haven't typed in that link. And that's why. Otherwise, you'll just appear as a stranger. It's a Facebook thing. It's not me. It's not you. It's Facebook. Anyway, right. So there, that is the intro done and dusted. We have got people uh, joining the live lounge. Um, so what I will do now, without further ado, I think, is bring up tonight's guests, Chris Tiley and Chris Kitson. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey, Chris. Hi. Hello. Hi, how are you? For people listening to the podcast, the first one with a slightly north, more northern twang was Chris Kitson. What part of the country are you in at the moment, Chris? Uh, I'm in Leeds. There you go, in Leeds. So that's Chris Kitson in Leeds. Kind of a Chris Moyle type thing if you're just listening. Doesn't look like Chris. Well, actually, Chris Moyle's <laughs> lost about 25 states. So it's more similar than it than when I grew up. Sorry, Chris, nothing against Chris Moyles. But yeah, it's not too dissimilar now. He's quite handsome now. Not as handsome as Chris Kitson. And the other Chris is Chris Tiley, who is coming from whereabouts in the country are you, Chris? Birmingham or Solihull. So just down the road from NEC. Not born in, born in Birmingham, though, were you? No. no where were you Reading. born? 
Reading, there we go. Reading, and there is an H in my name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I put you down as Chris for the <laughs> yeah. CR. Looks like some kind of, yeah, let's get rid of Let's change that. Anyway, so thank you so much for joining us both. Um, very kind of you. Um, and I should say thank you very much for, for giving us this joint presentation. I haven't got many joint presentations going on, but um, we'll, we're going to talk about that because it's interesting. You're both from slightly different backgrounds. For people who haven't heard of you, and I'm hoping that of the 3,000 or so who download this, um, they haven't heard of you. Otherwise, we may as well just all nail ourselves in a box and just go in the ocean and disappear forever because it's just a big echo chamber. Chris Kitson, maybe, first of all, could you give people a little bit of a breakdown of who you are and what you do and kind of what sort of clients you generally look after? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so obviously, my name is Chris Kitson. So basically, leads, um, I do a little bit of a mixture of face-to-face -face and online work, uh, being uh, coaching, started off in kind of personal training around about kind of 14, 15 years ago, um, then got into therapy after a kind of few years of doing that. I uh, went to do a master's in osteopathy, um, kind of came away from osteopathy, uh, interestingly enough, joined the SDA, um, and I tend to now coach, um, I coach runners um, mainly is the main thing that I do, um, and also see a lot of runners as well in the therapy setting, uh, see a little bit of general population still as well, but I've just uh, more recently just kind of niched down into the, the running side of things, um, and that's mainly uh, kind of what I do at the moment, really. Fantastic. And I love the alliteration Rockstar Runners. Fantastic. What's the history behind that? Why did you decide to come out of um, the endurance, which was at the time great that you could get hold of that? Why have you become Rockstar Runners? We're interested. Um, in yeah, yeah, good question. So it was kind of off the back of a little bit of a spin off, I guess, like the uh, my, my background. So I used to play drums, uh, drums for a living um, at one point. Um, so there's a little bit of a spin off there, not saying that I'm a rock star or anything, but um, it was more to do with actually... Um, it's a little bit deeper, if I'm honest. So it's to do with like actually <laughs> scary, Anna. Keep it light. <laughs> so it's to do with how people feel, and it was basically that a lot of people would um, start to kind of like lose their driving life a little bit, um, and actually want to feel like make them feel like a rock star again, essentially. So get them back to a point where they're proud of what they can do, and actually they they get that kind of sensation, that feeling back. Really, that's brilliant. I didn't realise I hadn't made that connotation because I've seen you playing the drums. I thought, excellent, that's great. He's bringing his past in. But actually, it's more than that. That's brilliant. So you're helping people just feel like a rock star. There you go. Yeah. Excellent. I love that. That's so good. I'm not going to be able to think of anything else now. That's what I'm thinking how good that is. Excellent. Right. Thank you very much for letting people know. So Chris Tiley, for people who don't know about you um, and never taught lift, what's your story and who do you look after mostly? Yeah, so I'm a physiotherapist. So I qualified 2008, so scarily 15, 15 years ago coming up. Um, so I worked in various settings, main sort of hospitals to start with, then sports teams and eventually into private practice and then kind of set up on my own, um, sort of working with Mike Rice in, uh, movement therapy clinics. Um, but yeah, I then started to kind of develop a bit of a, just in the demographic I saw, a bit of a niche in working with older adults and started to kind of incorporate some of the stuff that I worked with the, the sports teams, so the strength and conditioning side of things, and started to incorporate it with, with the older adults and found it far more rewarding than I ever did with the sports teams and kind of never told to lift evolved from there as I sort of tried to kind of create the blog and share the message a bit, bit further. And it's, yeah, lockdown gave me a bit more time to push that a bit more. And, yeah, it's kind of grown from there. Fantastic. So yeah, very, I can imagine, I mean, we've all, 
worked with a few older clients because no surprise, quite a lot of our population are older. But it is, I mean, we've talked a lot to other people about how kids aren't just kind of like big. No, kids aren't little adults. That's the one. I think there's lots of misconceptions about older people as well, thinking that they can't do anything and you've got to be so careful with them, I suppose. Do 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 you feel that part of your role is to break down those misconceptions? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like you say, everyone thinks that as you get older, we should maybe tone down the things that we maybe do and maybe stop the sports and take away any impact and maybe stick with non-impact stuff like the swimming, the cycling, Pilates, which, again, I'm not knocking that because they're, they're all fantastic forms of exercise. But actually, if you look at the, the all the guidelines when it comes to uh, the World Health World World Health Organization and their physical activity guidelines. They say that for eighteen to sixty five year olds, we should be doing two sessions of muscle strengthening, but they've got a separate set of guidelines for sixty five plus that say we should be doing three sets, uh, three sessions of muscle strengthening per week, which completely kind of is counter to what you think you should be maybe doing less of that kind of thing. When actually we should be doing a lot more. So, and a lot that comes as a shock to many people. Um, but equally it's completely understandable why people might be fearful of doing things that are considered higher load or kind of higher stress exercises because yes, there is a risk involved, but we've got to just take their age in mind and all the things that predisposes them to. And it makes us start a bit slower and a bit more careful, but it's a strength that ultimately is going to help half the things that they're worried about. Excellent. I did think of you, we had a guest. um, In fact, you probably know the guy, you've probably seen him at, um, therapy expert Alistair Beverly was a guest in episode 172 and his background is working with people with learning slash intellectual disabilities and his big thing was talking about diagnostic overshadowing and in the episode we had recently he's he made a point of it it's not just people with learning slash intellectual uh, disabilities who run the risk of diagnostic overshadowing where we misinterpret maybe a symptom they've got as, oh, they've got learning disability, they've got Down syndrome, so that's why they're kind of like doing that. He also made a really valid point that with the older generation, for example, it's the same thing can happen and does happen tragically in the NHS where people will die because they went for a checkup and they thought, oh, they're just sitting there mumbling a little bit to themselves kind of thing and doing that with their mouth because they're old. Whereas if they were a younger person who came in um, to the GP or to the clinic, wherever, and they were given a full assessment and that assumption was made that you know, everything would some things would have been caught. Have you come across that working with the aged and what they've told you and what you've seen in personal life? Still, oh, yeah, Chris Tiley, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I think what came to mind there was is more, I think, when yeah, it, the decline is more the decline in physical health is rather than the GP or anyone actually kind of trying to make a plan for it, it's use the age as an excuse rather than age as a motivator to maybe do something about this. And the thing that I was going to say that came to mind is one of the stats out there that if someone has a fall and fractures their hip, within a year, 20% of them will end up in long-term care, I believe. And it's kind of slightly different because it's not necessarily saying that it's different from if a young person fractured the hip because clear that that's not quite the case. But yeah, certainly I think it's the fact that they've got to the point where they've got an increased chance of falls 
if they've got reduced muscle strength, they've probably got reduced bone density, more likely to have a fracture period of hospitalization with a prolonged recovery period where they're not going to be as active. They're going to have a even increased kind of rate of sarcopenia or that muscle loss, loss of muscle strength. Um, and then I think that's why that long-term care comes into play where if they haven't entered it within a year, they're probably going to enter it at some point in the next sort of five years. Um, so rather than kind of waiting to that point and yeah, ideally we'd all be starting in 2030s and continuing all the way through. But mm-hmm. yeah, the thing I found that, um, I use, he's given me permission. There's a guy called Phil and I've used him in the, the talk at the, uh, on your stage a couple mm-hmm. of times now. And he came in at age 76, having never done any sport, um, since school, sporadic swimming here and there, bit of tennis, he said, but he's never done anything. He's active in the garden. Um, but yeah, at 76, he came in and started with me more for his knee and never in, had any intention of strength training, but it kind of gradually evolved into that as we started to work on some strength around his knee. And then I kind of pushed him towards the strength training and he's continued with me since with a couple of breaks through lockdown. And he's got to the point where he can squat 60 kilograms and deadlift 65 and he only weighs 63 kilograms himself. Say it's his weight, and he's 80, he's just turned 80 this year. Um, and his knee's still aware of it, but it's not stopping him doing anything and he's doing everything in the garden again. Um, and I mean, the point to that is that, yeah, yes, it would have been better to start yesterday, but today is not too late to start. And yeah, like I say, we have to adapt around his knee and adapt, adapt around certain things. But um, Amazing. Great story. I love that. And I'm already kind of seeing parallels with, well, obviously I'm biased. I mean, Chris's camp with runners and things, but I'm thinking of runners who come in and they never plan to come in and leave doing strength training. That was far from their thoughts, but you kind of get that therapeutic alliance. Um, is that fair to say, Chris, with the population you work with? Is it, do they come in not expecting what they walk out with? Uh, is that for me? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm just saying, Chris, <laughs> no. by the end of this, I'll start using your last names. But yeah, Chris Kitson, I'm looking at you thinking that you can see me looking at you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, th- I think so. And certainly, like, I mean, as, as Chris was speaking there, I think a lot of the time, it, like, when you you basically start to show people what they can do as well, because a lot of the time, obviously, you know, like, like we discussed earlier, like around kind of societal uh, issues and what, you know, what's been said and what they've heard of family and friends often and things. And it's not that people are trying to do them any harm or anything like that. But essentially, I think it's easy for to get in the head that they probably shouldn't be doing certain things. And actually, when it's under the, the guidance of a professional um, and, it, and it gives them that little bit of confidence back, especially in obviously supervised sessions initially as well, um, that can be really powerful. And then just even that kind of like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. And then what that feeds off into and it kind of sparks this inspiration again for them. Um, and certainly like I see it in, in a lot of the runners as well, where again, they've just kind of thought, well, you know, strength training is not for me. I'm a runner. This is what I do. Um, they might have heard about it, but it's actually a lot of the time, a lot of the barriers I think come from just a lack of clarity around actually what it is that they need to do. Um, and then actually, again, like showing them that they, they can do it and actually they're quite proficient in it as well. Um, and just showing them and again, like a way forwards um, and, and what that looks like, because I think sometimes it's just kind of muddy waters. And when you can provide a little bit more clarity for people and give them a little bit more guidance, all of a sudden they, they kind of see the path forward again. And they're like, oh, actually, yeah, I think I can do that. Um, and then again, gain that inspiration and, and kind of push on a little bit more. Brilliant. I like that expression, muddy waters. And that kind of, I mean, 
with so many times on the episode, we've talked about how our role has changed from once upon a time. And we all did this. If you've been in the game for longer than 10 years, then you saw yourself as a fixer and they'd come in and you just wanted to fix them, whether that meant stretching them or strengthening a particular muscle or kind of you would put your hands on them and do stuff. But now we know that we are clearing muddy waters. So we're kind of educating, we're helping get rid of some myths and conceptions in a nice way. And that's you know, we're doing an awful lot now with our ears and mouth as opposed to just relying on our hands and stuff. So it's really nice to hear that reinforced. Chris, do do the Chris Tiley, the older, <laughs> I feel so weird saying a surname, it's like school. But um, Tiley, um, stop, take the gum out, Tiley. Thank you. Put it, that's it. Um, so, yeah, the population you see, the uh, elder population, do they have misconceptions? Do, do a lot of them feel that they shouldn't be lifting stuff and, and shouldn't have got to take it easy now because of things they read or things they're told maybe by loved ones and that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. I think it just reminds me, one off the top of my head, was I'd been treating her husband and got him to do some some strength work before and he convinced her to come in. One of the things I like to do is I don't know if you've seen these blaze pods. They're um, mm. there's the basically these lights that you can tap that can be different colours, and once you tap one, another one lights up. And I've got a drill that I tend to use all the time because once I found something I like, I tend to just stick with it. If it's um, but it's it comes up with three colours on the floor, and if it's red, they stand up and tap it with a foot. If it goes green, they go crawl on their hands and knees, and they tap it with a hand. And if it's blue, they shuffle on the bum, and then tap it with the hand again and I had him doing that and he really enjoyed it and I remember when she came in she adamantly told me I won't be doing that a woman of my age shouldn't be doing that it should be crawling around on the floor and, and doing things like that and I tried to tell her that actually if you were to fall it's not the fall that scares most people it's getting stuck on the floor and if you practice crawling around the floor and maneuvering and transferring from bum to hands and knees to then lean on something to stand back up again then the confidence to be able to stand is is huge and that really kind of allows people to move around a bit more because if they're not scared of falling or getting stuck they'll then push themselves a little bit further around the house whereas if they're scared they'll tend to just sit down most of the time and decondition further um so there's a few things like that and then there's another one that recently I've kind of got going with an online course and one of my first members has, I don't know if you've seen this test, the sit-rise test, and it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good challenge. One, yeah, I first remember a programme, How to Stay Young, and it was Angela Rippon and the, the Plantation Twins. Yeah. Um, it was only about eight, nine years ago. Angela but, Rippon, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, basically they did this test, and it's whether you can sit down on the from standing sit down on the floor and then stand back up again using as few points of contact so the best score is if you can get down to the floor without using your hands and then get yourself back up to standing again they kind of use this cross-legged position to get back mm -hmm. up again um but anyway this kind of participant of the course she had, had always seen it on social media and people trying it but she'd never tried it herself because she just automatically assumed that it's something she wouldn't be able to do and then because I got told her to, on the course, it's something to try to do as a baseline test to see if it improves. She then gave it a go and completely shocked herself that she could do it. Oh, so good. And then it unlocked in her mind, well, if I've told myself I couldn't do that, what else have I told myself I couldn't do? And 
the thought of using weights again is something that she'd never thought she could do and now she's started to do that and she thought this was going to something she's going to do at home through lack of confidence but now she's got a bit of confidence she's back in the gym and that's something she again never thought she'd do um so I think there's a lot of that just down to a personal level of we talk ourselves out of thinking we can do things that actually we're more than capable of doing but the longer we talk ourselves out of it the more of a problem it becomes later on and we can't do it Amazing. That's so nice. I can see Chris smiling there, nodding and going all kind of warm and kind of thing. That's just, <laughs> yeah. that's just what makes me easy. It's music to our ears, isn't it? When we see a client realizing I can do that. It's like Keanu Reeves and Matrix kind of thing, isn't it? <laughs> Show yeah. me more, you know, sort of thing. It's, but it's so powerful. It really is so powerful. It's really nice. It's also nice to hear you talking about the kind of reaction timings because we had Angela Jackson on, um, in episode 169. It was talking about neurocognitive approaches um, and how that might be the missing part of rehab. So with all athletes, you know, we're doing everything else and then we're missing that out maybe from the end stage or even at the beginning stage because, you know, the studies are showing that if you have been injured, then the, the pathways to your brain, which are controlling coordination and all that dexterity and stuff are kind of hindered and blurred and that. So unless you do some rehab, which is stimulating that, you might get back to a state of recovery where it looks like you can go back to your chosen sport, whatever. But if you haven't got that reactive staff and coordination, then you, you're going to kind of injure yourself again. Which interesting was was why she, who's Angela Jackson is so cool, but that's why she was kind of thinking, we're obviously missing something because one of the biggest risk factors with injury is have you had the same injury before? Which is kind of such an obvious one, isn't it? I just, I heard her say that. That's why I love talking to you guys and you experts because you come out with things like that. And I'm just like, Oh my God, it's so true. You know, all the stuff we're doing and yet hamstrings, for example, if one of the biggest factors which predisposes you to injury again is have you been injured before? So we must be missing something in rehab, which is why the studies now are really focusing on that and doing fMRI and all that and seeing that there is a inhibition. So it's great hearing you guys reinforce each other. That's what I'm kind of saying along with this way. So um, Chris, runners are regarded as veteran yeah. oh sorry kitson <laughs> oh my god so i was just waiting for this time just to start piping up here. Rubbish. sorry about this guy i'm just it's lovely to see you too i just forget we're doing a podcast i really do i'm getting old man talk about veterans but yeah veteran runners chris kitson it's was it 34 hasn't changed is it or 34 35 when yeah, is it you're in a race pretty much your class as a master's athlete anything 35 and above 35 and above kind of masters they're not used word veteran anymore is that kind of not very pc or yeah yeah really they just class them as masters mate yeah well, it's a polite way of saying oh, getting on a bit <laughs> do i mean why choose that age is there anything that you've come across which kind of shows that once you've passed 35 you are you need to be in a different category because you've got limitations or what's the deal yeah i suppose i mean really there's 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 certain changes obviously that that do happen from a physiological standpoint um there's a quite a nice paper i sent chris earlier actually um so um rich willie and Paquette. So they've got a paper for, I think it's 2019 off the top of my head, um, which, which basically looks at this like physiological changes with uh, different age ranges um, and biomechanical, biomechanical changes as well. Um, so there are certain things that happen. So things like changes in uh, leg stiffness and things like this as well. So it's one of the things where we start to look then at like um, different potential injuries that might come off the back of that as well. So we tend to see a lot more kind of uh, tendon related issues and like muscular tendons junctions um, and, and those sort of issues really that tend to come up from this kind of change in the in the actual uh, tendons. 
So um, it, essentially, it's obviously that that lack of kind of elasticity, or, or certainly a decrease in over time. Um, so we we tend to see obviously then um, an increase uh, strain um, on those those areas essentially. So yes, in a nutshell, there are there are certain changes that do happen. Um, hence, why you you will typically see a change in performance that goes that with that as well. Um, Obviously, it's changed a little bit in ways in terms of things like super shoes now as well and kind of using, you know, using their technology um, to kind of help out a little bit more sometimes. Um, so there's been a little bit of a difference there. Um, but essentially, when it comes to obviously actual uh, physical changes in the body, then from round about that kind of age group, that's where we start to see some of the bigger changes and especially kind of like 40s uh, onwards and kind of move into that sort of age group, really. Excellent. Nice reference. So yeah, Rich Willie is always, I mean, from a long time, he's only start being noticed probably about if you're a veteran or master's athlete and you want to save yourself from injury, just do your calf raises, get strong, get those calves working, you know, which is great advice. Um, so I'm wondering whether, and this is guys more, is it down to the kind of reduction in testosterone? Is that why guys kind of see it more? And why the women off, often in endurance sports are kind of still there doing really well and catching the guys up, you know, it's testosterone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely an influencer um, mm. in it, whether it's everything. Again, mm. obviously, we we don't know. But um, yeah, essentially, it will be an influence. I mean, certainly, obviously, again, with those sort of age ranges and, and with females as well, there's obviously different changes hormonally. Um, and, and that really comes into things as well. Again, it just all presents differently, doesn't it? So it's mm-hmm. just, again... You know, the person in front of you is always, um, and certainly with hormonal changes, um, obviously it's very individual as well, um, aside from your basic principles. But um, just really seeing, again, what's the presentation, where are they up to and what are they experiencing, um, and just making sure, obviously, they've got the the right help as well in, in, in that side. So, yeah. We do all get that. I'm thinking maybe guys more than girls, but we do all get that getting out of the chair kind of once we get to kind of 35, 36. It just happens, doesn't it? And we kind of, you know, that should be a sign that we need to be doing something because our bodies are changing. I'm wondering, Chris Tiley, yes, whether there is much difference once you get to, I don't know, I'm just going to pull a figure out of the air. Let's go 60, okay? Once you get to the 60 to 80 group, mm-hmm. is there much of a difference between the female and male population in terms of ability or loss of strength or coordination or is it kind of mixture and not gender specific i mean from what i see i think it's pretty similar probably more towards the females losing a little bit more and that's probably a postmenopausal mm-hmm. um or as a result of that um again i don't know whether it's a societal expectation type thing of particularly in the past when they were in the 30s there wasn't it wasn't as prevalent for women to be in the weights area of a gym where obviously that's a lot more accepted now within um within the gyms it's a it's a pretty good mix whereas before that's where all kind of the the bodybuilding men went and it was a very intimidating place where i try and tell people now it's not it's not as intimidating as you might think it it is and actually it's a it's often a friendly place to be and you get encouraged by others and um and half the time people do think you think you're being judged in the gym and actually i've realized that everyone's just completely focused on themselves and they're not even paying a, a blind bit of notice to what you're doing um so yeah it's it's partly i think yeah partly my post menopausal thing partly their kind of expectation of what 
they think they should be allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that goes for the men as well. It's once you get to a certain point, or if you can't do what you previously used to be able to do, then why bother at all? And mm-hmm. that's a kind of mindset that you often have to, to try and fight with because people don't like being sort of suboptimal in their view. Um, I was wondering whether, because, I mean, I don't want to generalise, but if I'm imagining, let's imagine if a couple are fortunate enough to still be together in their later years, it's probably going to be the woman who's clearing after the guy, doing the washing, bending down to the washing machine, doing the washing up, kind of more active around the house, whereas the guy's going to feel, I've done my years down the mine, Mm. metaphorically speaking. Um, I'm just going to sit in my armchair and read my paper because I deserve that now. So maybe, I was thinking maybe women are actually... Um, uh, later on in life still more active and therefore maybe see a, um, a, a maybe live a little bit longer maybe or just suffer from less like you say the menopause is very yeah. really significant but I don't know guys do tend to switch off don't they once they reach 65 I think that's it I've done my <laughs> yeah. bit I've done my time now women just serve me I think there's <laughs> a bit of that mentality isn't there especially up north I can say that my father-in-law is from Wigan so, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah do you do you see that do you think so that's fair to say that guys kind of sit back and let age take over quicker than women or is it again am I just generalizing um I suppose that probably is is the case obviously when they're coming in the clinic I'm mm. not seeing what their home life's like and um yeah, you just kind of go off what's in front of you even um but I mean some if you'd start looking at the garden and things like that then it's a pretty even mix of who's staying it's active true. out in. I well, see, so see more people than me. You've got a better yeah. idea. It's true. The guy's probably out in the garden, yeah. which could be a great activity as well. Very cool. But then I think I get just as many women who come in there and are equally as passionate about the gardening mm. as, as the guys are. But then whether there's different jobs assigned uh, within the garden, I don't know. But yeah, but I think it's clear that, like I say, the ones that have keep the activity going in terms of housework gardening sports they're far they're going to stay in better health up until a later later age i think i saw a post me the other well i see i love following your posts anyway and if people are let's just put that in now because i'm saying it so if you want to follow chris tiley and i totally recommend you do um yeah. then instagram's probably a quite a good place to catch you out is it on instagram yeah, probably, so never too old to lift yeah never too old to lift on more facebook. more facebook i'm on instagram as well trying to that and then youtube as well you nearly said tiktok didn't you Freudian slip <laughs> <laughs> i saw you go i'm on yes. tit of all the things yeah, not to tell my though. public yeah. Yeah. yeah i think it's good i think you did really well with the miming yeah. i couldn't tell you not singing that really <laughs> song. Yeah. Um, but yeah it's definitely worth watching i've seen you you mentioned in a post not too long ago strength training twice a week and i'm pretty sure it was you who just said that the, the clue is just movement keep moving doing stuff like that so there's some great messages going out there mm-hmm. um, so people you should be following chris tiley and chris kitson on social media now we're doing that <clears throat> chris kitson we've got chris kitson pt on twitter instagram is where you are definitely more active and lovely eye for color and flair and very nice and facial expressions <laughs> are wonderful and that is uh, at rockstar underscore runners that's definitely worth checking out um, and on there you've got a link to linktree as well which will show you all the details of courses and things coming up so yeah okay so i don't want to get too much away um, about what you're going to present in the sta theater but that's the title of tonight's show so just to let people know in case they've just jumped in, in the last minute um the two chrises are going to be presenting training the older athlete for performance at 2 30 p.m on day two um, of therapy expo in the sta update therapy update theater which is next thursday november the 23rd so 
like I say, without giving too much away, what is a reason why you think, and either of you can answer this, why should soft tissue therapists come and see this presentation? What are they going to gain from it? Either of you. Who's going to bottle it first? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I think it's more just to know what is possible and better advice to be able to give to people because often the the kind of more hands-on side of things that that I tend to do is to create a environment and desensitize any pains and try and eliminate reasons why they might not want to start but unless we kind of give people some guidance on how they can get going with some basic exercises and when it particularly for me when it comes to building strength an idea of what that actually looks like and like you say it's rather than building strength in individual muscles building strength in movements and how that isn't going to benefit the things they want to do whereas if it's just a case of calm the system down through hands-on getting them feeling comfortable and they just walk out without any kind of plan or idea of where to go so i think if yeah there's any massage therapists that are watching it's more just the more resources and places you can point people towards if if you're not comfortable doing it yourself then um then i think that that's never never a bad thing excellent so guidelines yeah very important it's so easy to just read the wrong blog or the wrong kind of reference and even the wrong paper you know and get the wrong idea chris can you add to that what do you think people should come along and see you um yeah can i just check that you can hear me all right first are you fine yeah no that's fine that's right it just froze at my side that's all just checking uh (laughs) yeah i think um obviously kind of dovetailing a little bit off what chris says as well but certainly kind of going into some of the the other side of things as well where you might get some of the older population that come through that actually are already very active as well so it, it's that side of, like Chris kind of alluded to it earlier as well, in terms of like people that very much kind of like look at their past and they just compare to their past all the time. So actually how, kind of how we approach these conversations as well in terms of how we help them to move forward from that point instead of just purely just sitting in this kind of circle of comparison all the time. Um, so actually some some different kind of segues again that we can kind of move through and be like right okay well you know consider this and let's you know let's celebrate the past but actually let's keep a focus on on moving forward um and i think that's super important for people as well so they're not just purely kind of sat in this kind of negative cycle of well you know i think i should be able to do this because i I used to do this and that was you know 20 30 years ago Mm -hmm. um so that sort of stuff there, but actually kind of seeing that again, like where are they actually at? Like get that history in terms of how they've got to where they are at the moment, because actually if they're already very active, it's very easy to kind of go in and, and kind of underload them as well. Um, and really not, not kind of be at the level that they're at. So it's really been able to ask the right questions again, you know, what that looks like, uh, but also talk through some options with um, a little bit of Q&A with um, progressions and regressions as well of, you know, popular exercises and actually give maybe some options there. Um, so, you know, if there's anyone that's there with uh, certain patients they might be struggling with, um, then also we can we can give some sort of options there in terms of talking through a little bit of case study work um, and then, you know, giving some options that they can try as well. Fantastic. Chris, do you want to, Tyler, do you want to add anything to that? Um, no, I think one of the things we haven't really kind of mentioned in mm-hmm. whether we're <laughs> going to expand on it at some point, but then kind of Chris mentioned a little bit there was the biggest part of introducing 
resistance training to older adults for me is is that adapt the adaptions and the modifications and finding a starting point that they can then progress from because often when we talk about building strength in muscles we want to push the muscles to fatigue generally some point within 15 repetitions and ideally closer down towards kind of five repetitions to really build the strength but most people when we start get started they're not going to get anywhere near muscle fatigue because the pain kicks in first so then we might have to adapt the exercise first so they can actually start to find a way of getting even closer to that but then before that happens fatigue might kick in in terms of cardiovascular fatigue and there's i generally find they're kind of the the three things that ideally we're looking for muscle fatigue but we might have to play around with things a little bit so that their cardiovascular fatigue doesn't limit them first or the pain doesn't limit them first or they're just confidence in general doesn't limit them first and it's and that's where i think a skill as a therapist comes in is because i'm once someone's got going and they've got to a certain point then i can kind of help build them from there but actually much better strength and condition coaches and personal trainers that are then actually pointing people towards our skill is kind of physiotherapists and sports therapists and so on it's to adapt around pain and limitations and find ways of getting going to then build from there and it's the trickiest bit but it's the most rewarding bit when you get it right but most people when they've tried something they find an exercise they can't do they'll leave that one out because that's just they don't like being not being able to do something so you work on all the ones you're really good at but the big movement pattern that you really could do with being stronger in is gets neglected and then yeah if you can't do a squat your quads might get weaker and because you've got lack of quad strength your knee pain gets worse and then it can compound compounds the issue so it's really kind of finding ways to explore adapting an exercise to get a start point to then build from um is is one of the most important parts i think excellent i love that and then you can forward them on to great strength and conditioning coaches and all that but i love that mm. summarizing that our job is that to find different options taking consideration the pain and that sort of stuff so brilliant um i'm going to address some of the comments um now i'm going to come back i'm just going to let you two know because it can be a bit of a weird topic but i'm going to ask about this is performance for the older adults i'm going to ask you about flexibility and mobility in a second just drop that in there because we've been talking about lifting a lot. I understand it's obviously, Chris, Tyler, you're never too old to lift as opposed to never too old to stretch. But I'm still <laughs> wondering and ask about the population as to whether there is a difference in mobility and flexibility because is that related to, you know, getting to lift as well? So, but first of all, we've got a lovely comment. Leslie Campbell obviously is on form. Leslie Campbell, I'll read it out for people who are watching. Uh, I take this fab 94-year-old man out walking. He's brilliant. The hardest part of the session is keep his teeth <laughs> from falling out. <laughs> What a lovely image. Fantastic. <laughs> but there you go. Just because someone's got false teeth that fall out doesn't mean they can't get out and do some exercise. Yeah. It's not it's not a case of yeah, overshadowing what they can do just because they're old. I love that, Leslie. Thank you so much for sharing. He's a lucky man to be able to walk mm. with you. Um we've got uh newly sports therapy. Gary Newbold has said Chris T like that. Damn it. What did he say? Everything Chris Tiley said has been great. So I'm not sure what in particular you're referring to. Um, but yeah, there's appreciation there. Shout out for Chris Tiley. Deborah, I'm going to take a guess. Uh, Slugimers. It might be a silent J. Slumers. I'm not sure. But um, thanks for joining us. Uh, it says, hi, I'm watching my iPad, but it won't let me chat on chat. So I've signed in my iPhone. Thanks for letting us know. That's important. So obviously on your iPhone, you can chat, but not on your iPad. I will pass that on because we need you all to be able to ask questions, which is great. And then Gary Newbold has come back with, hey, I'm in Sheffield. That's up north. Everything, obviously, anything north of Watford is, is up north, as Gary would say. 
Um, it's where the accents change. Brilliant. So keep the questions coming. If you've got anything to do with uh, training the old adult for performance. So back to you guys, Chris Kitson and Chris Tyler. Yeah, flexibility and mobility. Chris, we've kind of known each other for a long time. And you know that historically I've been kind of, you probably do it as well. It's like runners are still trying to get into swan poses and they're still trying to touch their toes. And you just try not to be so too sarcastic by saying, when in a marathon or, or a park run, are you actually touching your toes, mm. you know, or why are you trying to get your heel to your bum if you're only running 10 minute miles? It's just never going to happen. So, but as people get older, is it fair to say that flexibility and mobility is more of a fact you've got to take into consideration? Let's start with Chris Kitson. Um, I think yes and no. <laughs> good good, <laughs> good answer. answer. I like that. Answer. That's why we get on so well. Yes. <laughs> yes and no. It, it depends. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, I mean, you can see where people come from. And again, there's this mixture, isn't there, of kind of, um, you know, what society says, but also what are your real issues, you know, kind of day to day for the person, essentially. Um, when it comes to, um, I mean, flexibility and mobility can be a little bit different. So flexibility tends to be more kind of like just passively. Can you get into these positions passively? Mobility mainly more of an active thing. Like, can you actually move in these ways? Um, so kind of having that, that little bit of a difference between two first. Um, and then essentially, like when it comes to things, it's like, okay, well, what do we actually need to be able to produce? So certainly with some of the, uh, the younger runners, um, it, it tends to be a little bit more, um, maybe less focus on flexibility unless they've got a certain, maybe a coach that really pushes it. Um, or they might have seen things in magazines. Um, as you get a little bit older, uh, then people tend to focus on it naturally a little bit more, don't they? But again, I don't think they always know why. Um, so it's, it's one of those where it, it, for me, it comes down to total functionality as well. Um, so it's not just purely just have you got the flexibility and mobility, but actually what can you produce within these movements as well? So do you have the strength there? Do we have the power qualities as well um, in terms of things like, um, you know, injury risk reduction, essentially? So especially within running as well, um, obviously the running itself, like you said uh, earlier, obviously the, the movement isn't huge. We don't need tons of, of movement to actually go through the gait cycle. Um, but then obviously we've still got daily life aside from that as well. So it's no good, you know, being this kind of stiff runner that's super efficient, um, but actually can't, you know, bend down to pick up some shopping and, and pick it back up again as well. So I think we've got to be kind of mindful of this kind of more day-to-day stuff as well. Because essentially if they if they do find themselves in an injured state, um, then in whatever sense, like outside of running, obviously that can put a halt on the activities that they're looking to do as well. Um, when it comes, obviously, in terms of uh, then increasing flexibility and mobility, uh, obviously this can be done in, in a few different ways. Um, and obviously there's there's some studies now that are showing, actually, if we're going through full range of motion under you know loaded exercises and resistance training, then actually we can get a, a better outcome in terms of flexibility and mobility compared to stretching programs, um, which are often not what people think um, because to get the similar kind of effect from a, a stretching program it actually needs to be assisted stretching um, and something that generally most people are not actually doing so I think that's it's again just having these conversations around what we actually think what we think what we've been told what what our kind of beliefs are around a certain thing and again just kind of just being curious and just helping people just question it themselves rather than just dictating things and saying, well, 
you know, we shouldn't be stretching. Um, we should just be lifting instead. Um, but just getting that understanding of, of what they think it is in the first place, what they're trying to achieve. And then just, again, just providing options. Um, and just a lot of the time, they might not know that strength training can actually be really beneficial for their flexibility and mobility. Mm-hmm. So I think just that delivery of that information and then, you know, just putting it out there for them can be can be super helpful. Like it. So look at their daily function. Can you expand a bit on that, that strength training can actually help with their flexibility or mobility? What do you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just in in terms of their actual, their range of motion. Um, so if we think about it from that perspective, so a lot of the time, let's say, for instance, um, with a, a squat, um, so being able to get down towards the floor and back up again. So if they're training a, a squat pattern and they're able to get, let's say, past 90 degrees at the knees, that would be a great start in terms of being able to typically reach something from the floor and be able to get back up again. Um, so with a stretching program, essentially, they, they might be able to get some of the range um, in the short term to kind of get into these sort of positions but they might not have developed the strength to be able to actually perform what they need to do functionality wise. Um, and that's a lot of the time. I think it's, it's what do we want these outcomes to be and how, what's kind of the most efficient way of getting there. Um, and certainly with things like static stretching and things, as we know, it's, it's more of an acute effect with just changes in, in range of the motion um, and changes in, in sensation. Um, and that's all fine, but it just doesn't last that long. So typically after around about 60 minutes, the the nervous system is kind of guarded back up in a sense uh, to the point where it just kind of goes back to how it was. Whereas with strength training and resistance training in, in general, when we're going through these similar ranges of motion, but under load, we actually seem to get a um, more of a prolonged effect from that as well um, compared to stretching programs. Very interesting. Thank you very much. That's great. Chris Tiley, your population, I mean, you, you're encouraging people to, to lift, to get strength gains. Um, do you find that you have to take a pause or concentrate on flexibility or mobility in order to get them to be able to perform the movement or does it all come together? I tend to find it all comes together, but I, I mean, I, I tend to do a little bit at the start of a session of, like Chris said, more active moving rather than a kind of static stretch and just, yeah, get the body moving to a certain degree um and then maybe go through some of the movement patterns they're going to do in that session with weights but to start off without weights to then just prepare the muscles for what they're going to do but i tend to find that most people find their mobility tends to improve without specifically working on any of the stretching afterwards and i think chris mentioned the word they're guarded like the nervous system guarding up there and i think that's very much when the muscles aren't as strong, the way I see it, and whether it's completely accurate, I'm not sure, but it, I think the other muscles around it or whether with those muscles themselves tend to kind of go into this guarded state to try and create stability, mm-hmm. but they then don't have the ability to kind of gradually relax and contract back up again when they need to. It's constantly in just a, a very fixed position, whereas the stronger they start to get, and one thing we haven't talked about as well is sort of the strength you can get the rate of force development so how quickly can you access that strength and you've your muscle learns how much it needs to let go and it can be very reactive and yeah once a muscle can feel like it, it can let go as well as tighten it then allows you more strength so for him personally from my thing i used to 
find that my hamstrings were really tight and I'd stretch and stretch and stretch and nothing really seemed to happen. And then when I started doing my own sort of distance type work and really focused on uh, Romanian deadlifts, so that kind of hinging at the hips and really kind of feeling the stretch in the hamstrings without realizing it, I suddenly kind of sort of went down to touch my toes one day and I just got significantly further than I ever could before or like the sitting reach test. And mm-hmm. I think that it's probably Adam Meekins that I've heard use the term before, but the, the strengthen to lengthen type thing. And I think it is the, uh, I never get the pronouncing right, but this sarcomerogenesis, <laughs> uh, I think it's been shown just to be as much when you're strengthening as when you're stretching, mm-hmm. but you've got the added benefit of the strength at the same time. So for me, yeah, if you've, if people have never really been interested in strength training up until coming in to see me, they're not going to want to spend hours in the gym. So if they only have a, a finite amount of time, yeah, a little bit of mobility work more as a warming up the body and the joints and the muscles before doing the work, but I'd much more, much rather they focus on the strengthening side because they'll get the strength and some lengthening than just focusing on the stretching, which like we said, it's often short lived anyway and goes back to what it was. And then you haven't got the added benefit, the strength training or the strength that you then, is it worth doing in the first Mm. place? Fantastic. Yeah. Nicely explained. I mean, that's my thing about, that's why I, I find that people stretching is, is so many bonuses or it's stretching is so easy. And also everyone finds an end point. So you feel like you're pushing your body. You can, not every joint. In fact, I mean, some muscles you can't stretch. You know, the quads, it's three of the quads, it's very difficult to stretch because they just don't cross a joint really. But anyway, but like s- stretching is often seen as something which you can do at home. You don't need your equipment. You're not going to feel intimidated. Um, it's it's kind of private. You will find an end point. So you always feel like you're pushing yourself, which must be good if you're finding an end point. But I often find that in that case, people do just do the stretching and they're not doing the strength training, which is why I worry about people getting obsessed with just the stretching. Um, because you could get, like you say, the same gains maybe from doing a strength exercise and using that range of motion, but you can get the added benefit of having the mobility as in like controlled movement and being able to, you mentioned power production, things like that, and kind of stopping and starting again, having control and coordination. So that's why I still, despite people like, I don't know, Greg Lehman going on about how stretching is, you know, the new strengthening and stuff. It's like, I still think that a lot of people, just find the temptation just to, I'll just stretch. I'm going to do my stretching. I'm not going to do any strengthening, you know? And there is this word, isn't there? I don't know how much you've got into it. I've given up on it now, but I was going down these um, tweets about how stretching actually is a strengthening exercise as well, because you're still putting a load on the muscle. And it's like, yeah, when you look at the research, you have to do it for about an hour, like three times a day or something for six months to see a little bit of hypertrophy, which is not going to happen. So I think that's a bit of a rabbit hole as well. Just, just lift some heavy stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, I think like obviously in in a rehab setting, and when you're talking kind of like acute injuries and introducing wood into into tissues again, then there's an element there where you can think, well, yeah, essentially stretching is is tensile wood, mm. so it, it's an introduction to loading, um, and therefore we can help to you know at least like get that introduction of of loading back in initially, whilst potentially kind of working on increasing that that kind of short term range of motion. Um, obviously w- within kind of tissue healing phases. So th- there's an element of it there where I think it's really useful in, from a rehab perspective. Um, also, I guess if you've got someone that is um, generally kind of quite stressed out um, and we, we know, you know, there's also parasympathetic um, 
benefits as well from stretching so it can certainly help to you know just calm the nervous system a little bit and and just again even if it's just from a change in psychological state but if it can it can essentially change someone's state so therefore could be obviously used in a positive way as well whereas a lot of people i think with their warm-ups again they're they're not necessarily that it's it's really going to help them with even like their session that they're going to do from a physical standpoint but from a psychological standpoint Mm -hmm. it can certainly change their state move from i've been at work all day i've been really stressed out to okay right i've refocused and now i'm in the gym and i'm preparing for what i'm about to do so I think there's elements there that we don't always chat about that much that, that can be really useful, but it, it's just, again, how we kind of frame it and, and you know, to, to help each person, basically. It's good. Very nice. Jesus, guys, matured so much. It's lovely to hear. It's great. It's really good. Nice one, Chris. Sorry, it's a bit patronising, but it's such sense coming out of your mouth. It always has, but it's lovely. It's lovely to bounce <laughs> ideas off you. Really cool. Right, where are we? 8.55 already. That went very quickly. So, um have we got another oh, we've got a little comment here let's go gary newbold is releasing some thoughts here let's go live from sheffield gary newbold says up on the screen if we can uh chris t great that you are working with the older population i have two kids in the late teens i've always told them that they can learn so much from listening and learning from older people yeah I mean, sometimes they just talk a load of crap, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> we must have like put them on a pedestal too much because they're older. God, some of the stuff I know people say, my relative, my relatives. But anyway, but yeah, it's true. There's a lot to be to be learned from them. I like it. Um, and then Gary, uh, Gary goes on to say, we were all young once. We didn't invent it. It's powerful words. It's very true. It's very true. Um, right. So. Let's just uh, finish off by chatting about, obviously, Therapy Expo is coming up. For people who haven't heard yet, we have these two wonderful minds who are going to be joining us in the Sports Therapy Association or the STA Therapy Update Theatre, which is just next to the STA stand. You won't be able to miss it this year, one, because it's just huge. And two, there's kind of a horseshoe. We've got the STA stand. Then you've got the Speaker's Lounge, which is something which the STA and other people advised to make bigger and possible so that when speakers are finished it's a chance to go up and ask them questions and chat with them which we encourage you to do so if they're hanging around there it says i'm here let's chat because a lot of the speakers just love they prefer chatting rather than standing there for 30 minutes and just talking they prefer the actual interaction a lot of them don't like the presentations it's about interacting afterwards one-on-one and then on the other side of the speakers lounge you will have the hands-on hub from um, the st school from anna maria mazzieri so it's gonna be a wonderful horseshoe of of um interaction and networking and supporting each other so that's where we'll be and like i say these guys are going to be in the sta theater on day two um if you want to see their presentation um training the older adult for performance 2 30 p.m on day two next thursday really looking forward to it obviously that's not the be all end of your lives um you've got other stuff going on that we can offer people in terms of cpd courses and things what have we got going on chris kitson what have we got coming along happening um so i've got i'm just launching a a, a six week uh, kind of introduction to strength training basically I've, I've kind of framed it as a strength training challenge for runners um so if there's anyone out there that it's it's online uh so if if you are aware of any runners that want to kind of they've got a bit a few barriers in terms of getting started with strength training um it should be really useful for them just in the the back end of this year get them going with something and uh yeah it should be really useful for them brilliant great idea i guess to get it done and and into that kind of swing of things with spring marathons coming up next year get it done started now yeah instead of waiting till january and and only having a few months left wonderful to know and if people want information about that instagram best place to go 
Uh, yep, so it's uh, Rockstar underscore Runners. Uh, that's probably the easiest place. And then, yeah, so you've got um, the little link in the bio, so the link tree. Uh, that's got information. You can sign up via that. Well, of course, it's fantastic. And Chris Tiley, what have you got going on at the moment? Yeah, so I, I've got a my little lockdown project. I did a I wrote a, an ebook, which you can also get on Amazon as well. But um, I've just made the ebook free for anyone who wants to download it. So if you've got anyone who's interested in starting strength training, um, I mean the principles apply to anyone, but particularly as an older adult, then go into nevertalktolift.com and you'll see. Quite quickly in the page, there's a prompt to, to download that for anyone. So it helps guide them through the process of creating their own program and picking from exercise variations that have those kind of modifications in and ideas of starting points for them. And then it kind of helps them create a 12-week program that will work for them. Um, also got the, an online course that if people found they wanted a bit more of an interactive way of kind of consuming that content rather than reading it so in video format but also having a weekly group zoom chat with myself then they might be interested in an online course as well um but if they download the ebook first they'll get any um i'm doing a promotion over the the new year so uh they'll get emails about the course uh too amazing and um, that's a free resource you say now that ebook because i've read yeah. it and it's probably been updated since i read it last year but um it's um actually i presume that i don't know it might be the same but it's definitely worth downloading similar, actually, yeah is it yeah and then great. yeah for anyone who prefers physical um version of it there is a, a version to, to get it on amazon so just search never told to lift on amazon amazing fantastic but i'm mine similar i've got on the instagram so never told to lift or at never told to lift I've got a similar link tree type thing that's got all the links to everything on there. So if anyone needs to, to find those links, you can just go to there. Great. Amazing. Lots of free CPD. And then like you both so modestly say, if you want a bit more help, then there is this as well. I love it. Well, I'm just yeah. going straight in with give me your dosh, which is lovely. All my <laughs> guests are the same. I'm sure I kind of subconsciously pick people who are just first is I want to help you. And second is I can give you this for free. And then third is if you do need a bit of support, we've got this as well, you know, if it's, if it works for you or your clients. So really nice to hear. Um, we got a few little closing comments here. Thank you everybody who joined us live. It's so nice to see you in the lounge. It's really nice this day and age. I mean, I'm not complaining at all, but like a year ago, well, actually maybe not a year ago, two years ago, definitely there was like 60, 70 people joining live and loads of stuff these days, maybe 10, 20, 30, um, but it's so nice that you guys do give up your evening. Really appreciate it because it makes it interactive. It's lovely to answer questions on the spot and that sort of stuff. So really thank you, everybody who joined us on the live lounge. Leslie Campbell has said, uh, thank you for tonight, guys. Sorry to miss you all next week. I know. I'm sorry we've been going on about therapy expert. It's going to be great. It's going to be the best time of your life. And that's real FOMO or FOMO, however you want to pronounce it, uh, for some people. So if you can't make it to therapy expo, then um, uh, I'm sorry about that. I think, Leslie, for you, um, and Stevie, we're going to organize like a FaceTime live or something. We'll have to do something. I want to put it on the massive screen so that everybody at Therapy Expo turns around and, and has a little hi from Leslie. Um, and <laughs> yeah, a, be shame not to catch up in person. It's a, it's a thing I like about Therapy Expo. Yeah. Catching up with everyone you kind of see from previous year. Yeah. So you just made it feel even worse now. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Leslie. It will be magical, though, for people who we do catch up live with. Um, and but thank you uh, for coming and watching it. Um, also, Gary, thanks, guys. Great pod. Thank you very much for joining us. Deborah um, says, what's the book called again? The name of the ebook? So it's Never Too Old to Lift funny that isn't it yeah. i would have thought but yeah never too old to lift um if you go to never too old to lift.com 
there'll be yeah, details right. there. Or if you look it up on Amazon as well, there'll be something there, Deborah. How did I do with your pro- with your pronoun? How did I do with your surname there, Deborah? Uh, Sluimus, is it a silent J or is it Sluimus? Uh, let me know. Or how can you let me know? How's she going to let me know? <laughs> uh, just say you were close. That'll do. Um, and Deborah has the last say in the comments with thank you. We'll come and watch it. Through. Oh, there we go. I can meet you in person. You can slap me in the face for getting your name wrong. Fantastic, Deborah. I look forward to that. So, yes, um, this is the last episode before, obviously, we're at Therapy Expo. There won't be anything next week. There won't be a podcast on Tuesday because we'll be up preparing things, lastminute.com, trying to pacify uh, Gary Benson and just rub his shoulders and massage his hair um, to let him know everything's going to be okay. That's what we'll be doing, five of us in a little row around the chair um, by the fireside. That's what we'll be doing there. Um, and then we'll be see you in person if you're going up Wednesday and Thursday at the NEC Birmingham. It's a different hall this year. I can't remember what... Um, I can't remember what hall it was, but it's not the same place as last one. So make sure you just don't go to the wrong place, obviously. Um, Deborah's come back with Slumers. I told you it was a silent J. Nice one, Matt. Well done. <laughs> um, and uh, so the next episode will actually be on Thursday, November the 30th. And um, it won't be on a Tuesday for various reasons. All the Wednesday it will be on Thursday, November the 30th, where I will be joined by members of the STA team and... Um, and uh, STA members who don't even know yet they're going to be on the podcast. Uh, but we're going to get a few people together who will have a nice chat on Thursday, November 30th, about how it all went, and maybe some take-home points from that as well. So um, if you are going to Therapy Expo, do please come and stop and say hi to myself, to Gary Benson, the founder, to Jake, who's the admin there. Um, you'll see us, because just look up, and, and a foot above you, you'll see the three of us standing at the STA. <laughs> Um, and then look back down to normal level height and you will see um, at the Chris's, for example, and you'll see all the other wonderful people there. Just to just to to reiterate, um, especially if you're coming to Therapy Expo by yourself, which a lot of people do, they make the trek up um, and you're feeling a little bit. Oh, I don't really know anyone here. The reason why Gary Benson, founder of the STA, does all of this is simply because um, or one of the main reasons is a member came up to Therapy Expo years ago and they wrote an email to Gary just saying I went there by myself and I gathered up enough um, kind of like confidence just to go and say hi to the STA team and that was it Gary came along and um, I ended up making great friends and spending the whole two days with these people and it was just amazing um, so do please have the confidence to reach out and have a chat we might look a bit scary and intimidating summers particularly Chris Kitson if you can't see him in person here but um we're really not and 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 sometimes we ignore you sometimes we kind of our eyes we're thinking of other stuff especially if you see a speaker on I've got two days I've got my own presentations and stuff so it looks like we don't even see you we walk straight past you even if we've seen your little photo or so do please stop us grab us by the sleeve and just go oi hey how you doing and we'll appreciate that because we really like interacting and talking to people as well. So even if we look a bit aloof and we've got other things in our mind, do please stop us. And if we don't want to talk to you, we'll just say, go away, leave me alone. But hopefully we'll have time to say hi, how you doing, and, and network and talk to each other and support each other because that's what it's all about. So I'm going to shut the live lounge down. Chris and Chris, if you can just hang around for another minute. Um, thanks again, everyone who joined us. Um, hopefully, those of you who can make it to Birmingham will see you next Wednesday and or Thursday at the NEC. Um, and otherwise, we will see you the Thursday after um, for the next episode of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Thanks very much and take care of each other. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.